Episode 3 of At Home with Dylan Rogers, and one I had been looking forward to. Former Springbok hooker Scott Britz always seems to have a smile on his face, so just who is he behind that big grin, and why did he spend 10 years in the UK with Saracens? First up though, we touch on lockdown life in Stellenbosch. Dylan, it's been absolutely crazy. I've got, uh, you might hear this in the background, I've got a, a 8, 6 and 4 year old boys with myself uh, that's quite quite hyperactive the boys has got the same kind of trends that I've got and the missus is actually taking worse than I am so <laughs> but all in all it's all good so tell me uh, what sort of characters are they um, your boys uh, Christian is like mom quite the, the head girl or head boy in these cases uh, the, the, the middle boy called Hunter he is more like me and going is absolutely crazy and then the youngest uh, called Luke James he's like a, a combination of myself and Kalinda so it's uh, he's, he's in between did you guys always want three kids you wanted a big family Dylan um, I'm the only child uh, and I only wanted one uh, Kalinda's a family of three uh, she's got one brother and one sister uh, and one sister and she wanted three so now you know where's the uh, the, the pants in this this relationship. Um, yeah, you take your orders, Skulk. <laughs> yeah, don't most men. Anyway. And tell me, Skulk, what sort of father are you? Uh, what was quite nice is with rugby, um, you've got an unbelievable amount of time, disposable time. So you weigh a lot when you are away, but when you're home, I mean, where do you... This was the case when we lived in, in London, was you train Mondays and Tuesdays, Wednesday or train Thursdays, Friday off, uh, and play Saturdays and then Sunday off again. So you put so much time at home and there. Uh, they saw family life as quite essential and very important to the happiness of the players and the, the staff. So they flew us in the mornings and flew us out after the game. So you almost never slept away from home. And that made it unbelievable for family life. So I was quite a committed, uh, and I still am a committed dad, Kalinda is the professional between the two of us. Um, she works for DLA Piper, still in London, so she flies out every now and then to to run the team there. So it's 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 uh, juggling at currently. Now, would you say in your experience of professional rugby that, that Saracens were quite forward thinking, perhaps, in a, or ahead of the time that you'd mentioned, just the, the family, the, the the approach to family time. But, but but what about the overall approach to to, to professionalism at Saracens? I've never seen a place like that, Dylan. Um, I mean, I can only speak for what I've experienced at, at Saracens. I mean, we got there, they, the focus wasn't winning. They were process-driven. Uh, where do you get your place? And they say, guys, we're here to make memories. Uh, and I'm going, oh, no, I've heard this before. We're going to treat you like a family. We're all going to be family. And you hear that every time you go to a new place. But eventually, when, when the results don't go their way, they either fire you or... Uh, father coach or something like that and they said no we need to make memories the deal is yeah we try unbelievably hard but we're going to treat you well we're going to treat you unbelievably well and in return you're going to work unbelievably hard and we actually worked very hard and very efficiently they were the first guys to put like small little sensors behind our ears to make sure that we don't have concussions do concussion tests they make sure that we do personal development as we're not just a rugby player not just a commodity that after rugby, they've, they've added value to your life. And then lastly, 
from a family perspective, they make sure that you've got enough time with the family. You play three or four games in a week off and you travel with the missus and with the kids or spend it at home. So, uh, I mean, um, they were extremely professional on the pitch. Uh, off the pitch, they, they tried to, uh, they called the PDP session, Personal Development Program, but they tried to develop every player uh, from uh, the academy boys to the senior boys. Uh, some guys wanted, in my case, I wanted to get more uh, work experience in the city, and they gave me that opportunity. And other guys wanted to be a, a plumber, and others wanted to be a, a doctor. So it's all different kinds of programs for each individual player. And the approach to training, Skulk, how did that match up versus what you were used to back here with, say, the Stormers and then later on with the Bulls? Uh, it is quite different. Uh, even with my experience coming back to the Bulls from being at Saracens, I mean, their training sessions is never more than an hour. But when you get onto the pitch, it is high intensity. Uh, the intensity of training sessions is actually uh, not from a contact level, but from an intensity perspective, harder than games. Uh, and by that, they measure everything. The amount of contact you make, the amount of meters you run. And on the flip side, like, you can... When there's no measurements, you can hide on the wing, uh, like most hookers do. <laughs> but with, with GPS uh, uh, pods in the back of your shirts, they can measure everything from your accelerations to the meters you've run to uh, how many sites have you've made, how many contacts you've made. So then uh, on the flip side, if you don't work hard enough in training, you have to do extras. And nobody likes to do extras from a fitness perspective when when you're already fit. So um, they made sure that they measure every little detail to make sure that we don't overtrain, we don't undertrain, and that we're sort of perfect um, when it comes to Saturdays. Let's backtrack a little bit, Skulk, and let's go back to when exactly did you go to the UK and, and did you join Saracen straight away? Um, so, um, I mean, I finished or uh, played for the Stormers in South Africa from uh, was it 05 to 09. And before that, for the Lions, they gave me the opportunity. And before that, I was actually with a school kid in Salambosh played for province. So that's why I came back. Um, but when I joined Saris in 2009, the plan was only to play for a year or two and then finish off. Uh, well, not finish off, play another year in France and then retire and then go into my professional career. Uh, but the experience there was just unbelievable. Uh, it was so nice. I never thought I'd play to the age of of 38. You know, in South Africa, when you reach the age of 27, um, you sort of looking at retirement in your next career. And the, in the UK or the Northern Hemisphere, they look at totally different. It can sort of add value at an older age. You can't train, you can't have the same intensity during trainings. But they don't want the same intensity as a 21-year-old kid. They manage you better. And um, that's why I have the longevity my rugby career it's because they just managed us as players much better now, I saw Stephen Jones a rugby writer in the UK some time ago write that um, you were arguably the best ever foreign player he'd ever seen in the premiership I mean that's that's quite a compliment to have because he's quite a grumpy rugby writer if I remember correctly <laughs> he's actually an unbelievable friendly guy he, he might be a grumpy writer but I've quite enjoyed his uh, uh, his conversations and, and his writing. 
uh, and it's to the point a lot of the times, and correct, unfortunately. Um, but saying that is, uh, I can't really say, uh, well, I can say thank you for the accolade, but I've played with an unbelievable group of players, uh, unbelievable coaching team, and they, they got the best out of me. Uh, I'm quite an emotional individual, and when I feel loved, I perform. And they made sure that I felt loved at Saracen. So, um, and then lastly, they looked after my family. And what they normally say is happy wife is happy life. And that was definitely the case when we were in London. We embraced uh, London. We uh, embraced uh, England. And it was for us as a family unbelievable. What did you like the most about the lifestyle there? Because having lived there myself, I I know what it's about. What did you like the most about living in the UK that obviously you know, compared to, to South Africa, which is very different? Okay, definitely I can say what I don't like uh, is a mile of uh, uh, rainy days. Uh, sometimes you, you enjoy the coldness, the winter, uh, Christmas, uh, the times we had a bit of snow. Uh, I really enjoyed the people. In the beginning, you think, oh, they're very grumpy. Uh, they never greet. But the more you start, especially in London, but the more you start meeting and embracing the culture, and they've got quite a pub culture, they don't invite you as much into their houses. The reason being is it's a lot smaller than you've got in, in South Africa. So you go out a lot, you meet a lot of people, they do other things that you won't do. Uh, they don't pry, they have a barbecue. It's quite different to you. Uh, we try to uh, get a, a couple of pieces of wood to Brian, they said, no, 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 only on coals. Uh, but for me, it's the people uh, and the culture itself, the dark humor, uh, it's a bit different. Sometimes I struggle to express myself being an uh, Afrikaans boy, um, but I, I just had a, had a great time. I can't really say anything bad from except the amount of rain we had. Did you guys travel as a couple or as a family, and did you explore? Because obviously, what the UK offers you, particularly in pounds, is uh, accessibility to the rest of the world, and obviously financially, it's a lot more easier to travel abroad as well. Did you guys do that? Yeah, I, I mean, literally, we went from they they played us three or four weeks uh, in a row, and then you would play uh, during the three or four weeks, you would be one or two games on the bench, and then you had a week off, and literally we went there as uh, just a couple, not married, just uh, quite a lot, went over. And literally on the off weeks, we would go to recycle in Harpen or in St. Albans, as close to Luton Airport. That's literally, literally 15 minutes drive away. We would just take a taxi, get on the, at the airport and say, okay, where do you want to go to? Let's pick a spot and off we go. So from Italy, Spain, France, I mean, I, we went for a day to France just to check things out to Paris uh, in the beginning. So later you get a lot more experience and a lot more places to go to. But the world is really um, so close from there. I mean, uh, where do you go to New York for a long weekend? It's just uh, how central London is and how easy and how cheap it is when you're earning pounds um, to go everywhere is is quite a change uh, to Cape Town where if you want to go to, to on a skiing holiday or if you want to go uh, anywhere else, it's quite far to go. But saying that is South Africa, once again, is, is an untapped beauty by itself. So I'm looking forward to showing my kids a bit more of South Africa and Africa. Um, and then maybe when they're a bit older, 
show them a bit more of Europe than we saw when um, when we were there. Uh, the one thing I did miss out was going to Champagne, the Champagne area, uh, and that's uh, on our to-do list to tick. Did you uh, did you have a, a, an English football team that you you followed? Um, did you have one going over there, or did you did you develop one from from where you lived in the area? Okay, so growing up, Dad's a big Liverpool supporter, uh, but I was a Man U supporter all my life. And then I got there, and I was called a fake supporter, as with the Beckhams, the Giggsies, they were the—I mean—they were the best players in the world back then when I was growing up, and they were winning everything. They said, "No, I'm a fake supporter, as I've got no connection to the team. Uh, I just—I'm a glory hunter. You have to be uh, either where your dad is, you support your dad's team, or you support the place where you're from." We live in St. Albans, that's close to Watford. Watford wasn't playing, that was a close team. We couldn't support them, they weren't in the Premiership. We had to support either Arsenal or Spurs. So I said, okay, fine. I don't mind which one, as long as uh, uh, I support one of them. They said, okay, I said, okay, fine. The one that I first watch, I'll, um, I'll support. And the next morning I woke up and there's an envelope through my door. Uh, and I open it up and there's some Arsenal tickets for that time. So the first game, the first team I went to watch was Arsenal. And since then, I'm an Arsenal supporter. We've had some dark times the last um, couple of years. But hopefully, uh, I guess that's a part of being a supporter. Is you must write the good times with the bad times. And where do those tickets come from? Uh, actually, so I see Edward Griffiths is a massive Arsenal supporter. I mean... Uh, so he just, uh, he heard about the story and uh, put the tickets through the door and said, I can't be a Spurs supporter, I have to be a gunner. So and that's how I ended up being an Arsenal supporter. But I've got massive problems at home, then. And I've got, of course, uh, uh, not, not of course, but my eldest Christian, all his friends is Spurs supporters. So now he's a Spurs supporter. Uh, then I've got the uh, hunter that loves Liverpool. As Opa's Liverpool, or granddad is Liverpool, and the youngest hasn't made up his mind. He just likes Messi. <laughs> so we'll see what he, who he supports. But I, I call them fake supporters. They have to support Arsenal. But it's, it's not working out at home. Skulk, there's, there's no doubt that you guys clearly had a fantastic time in the, in the UK. And, and, and a really rich experience. I just want to bookend this or, or, or kind of bring to an end a, a look at your UK life. Um, yeah. And I must get your thoughts on, on what's happened over the last few months at Saracens in yeah. terms of the financial and sal- salary cap scandal that's taken place there. Your thoughts on that? For me, it's, it is unbelievable uh, with the amount of hate they've received in the last couple of months. And I can't say rightly so, but there is a lot of things to blame. Um, salary cup infringement for our success. And that's actually quite bad. So it takes away the cultural element of our team. As because we've spent uh, they've said that we spend a lot of money, we did spend a lot of money. But that money doesn't buy success. But, and there's been a lot of proof of that. Um, but for me it's sad to see that it did happen and to the extent that it happened, they are trying to clean up their act and 
they've taken the penalty. Hopefully going forward, they'll stay with, within the gap and um, or they promise they will. And hope, from a different perspective, I really hope that they'll investigate every team um, as um, I think there was, or this my opinion, is that it wasn't as strictly enforced across the league as um, maybe they they wanted it to be. Skog, for the benefit of those who obviously don't follow the, haven't followed the story or follow English rugby closely, and let me try and put it as simple terms as possible. Am I right in saying Saracens have been accused of exceeding a salary cap by virtue yes. of Nigel Ray, the owner, investing in property with players, which then would take those players' earnings over the salary cap. Am I right in describing it that way? Um, but that's not just that. It was actually, there's a couple of things. So the view from our perspective was, is we need to put a, players in a position where they can do something after rugby. Uh, they have to have an asset. They have to have a business. They have to have a future after rugby. What's, what's the biggest problem with most pro, pro athletes or with uh, rugby players Within three years, when they finish their career, they come into financial difficulty. And that is almost, I think the number is between 60 and 70%. So, all rugby players, within three years, when you retire, they go into financial difficulties. Why? Cash flow. So, they've got, for example, assets or houses or whatever, then then uh, they don't have a sustainable income after that, and they start selling what they've got and uh, too expensive lifestyle. So what we want people to be entrepreneurs. We want that's his expertise, houses and, and and startups, venture capital, private equity. So for example, he invested in guys' businesses uh, back way back. But the point is, you had to come up with a business plan. You had to drive the business. He's not going to drive it. He'll give advice. And if you look at Wolfpack Longer, if Tonga Coffee. I don't know how much he invested in that, but I know he might have given advice or he has invested. So he made sure that these players could, could build a sustainable business. But the point is, he took equity. So he took the risk as much as you took the risk of starting a, having a startup. And that was the same with, with houses. You had to go pick the house. You had, he took equity and he took the risk with you. And then... For example, if you wanted to buy a share, you had to pay it out at market-related um, um, uh, prices. So it's not that he didn't give it for free. Uh, and that's unfortunately where they put that part of equity and uh, the amount of, how can I say, co-investment. They put part of this at the very gap. And I would disagree with that. But, uh, yeah, the, they, they thought it's... It's different. We've got a, a different interpretation of how it should be. It's something gave you the house or it gave you equity. And when you move to the UK, for example, you have to pay, as a South African, you have to pay 30 or 30% a deposit on the house. You know, in London, you can't pay, I mean, average, let's say, 500,000 pounds for a house. You, you can't put down that kind of deposit from a rent perspective. You just can't. And the rent was. 2,500 pounds a month. So it just made sense to buy a house with the uh, interest rates being so low. 
So did uh, did you benefit or did you explore any business opportunities with Nigel Ray, the owner, than yourself, Skulk? I, I did not do any business opportunity. I did work experience for a company called Instar and then uh, KPMG in London as my background's accountancy. Uh, it was for me, I felt more, uh, well, it was difficult with three boys. Uh, spending a lot of time away from home and starting a new business or venture. For me, it was trying to get as much work experience that when I hit the road running after my career that I can add value to a company. So that's what I tried to do while playing rugby. And obviously that that segues nicely into into, into, where you are now. Now, obviously with the the REM grow background to the ownership of, of Saracens Rugby Club. You've used that as a stepping stone into into starting to work with REM grow this year. Is that right? Okay, so the things I'm interested, in, Dylan, is probably we call for finance, fintech. Yes, trying to expose me to, to parts of that within the business uh, with the different affiliated companies. Of course, I am very green and haven't had any kind of experience before that really like um, I mean you can't really count once a week of work experiences you can't take a lot of responsibility so um, for me it's going to take a bit of time uh, to grow this kind of skill set um, but uh, they've been so far uh, and I don't see it changing they've been extremely patient and they understand that I've been a professional rugby player for 20 years um, so hopefully uh, I can add value to the company sooner than later, but this whole program is going to take about uh, a year. And uh, how are you finding uh, work life, uh, Skulk? Like you said, for 20 years you're a rugby player, which, which is a very different set of working hours. Um, are you work fit? Uh, I can honestly say it's um, it's difficult to explain it. I've, I've tried to explain it to the missus, but it, uh, it, it's it's hard. I mean, you normally train in short periods and it's very intense and then you relax totally. When now you've got an 8 to 5 job, uh, rarely can you do enough in your work hours. So you mostly, for, especially because you're inefficient with what you're doing. Uh, I can't read, I don't know, what, 200 words a minute or whatever people read. So it, it take longer to write a document I just had to put in a, a, a memo uh, or a report, and it took me ages to finish. So for me, it, 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 it's taking time. It's uh, a longer journey. It's longer days, more marathon. It's weird not to do something from week to week or day to day. Um, so it's going to take a while for me to adjust, and hopefully I can take some of the skill sets that I've learned in rugby and how to treat people and how effectively all the time management. Hopefully I can do that the same with uh, taking them to the real world, if I can say so. But it's going to take a bit of time. And how are you guys finding life in Stellenbosch and what are you, what are you enjoying the most about being down there? Oh, just um, having a bit of space. As you can see, there's a mountain behind us, so we go running the mountain quite a bit, uh, taking the boys mountain biking. Uh, things like that, and of course, people. Weather's fantastic here. Outdoors a lot more, uh, and so forth. For us, for me personally, um, I always wished for being at home a bit more. Uh, now, now I've got uh, a couple of lockdown weeks. Uh, I would love rather to be out there 
and just be stuck in, uh, at home. But it's nice just having some family time. I think uh, it is tough with three boys uh, locked in, into a house, but uh, luckily we've got a bit of space and we're fortunate to be have a bit of space. But I think in, in two years' time or three years' time, I'll actually miss the amount of time that I can spend with the kids. As uh, I guess with work, the, the more involved you get, the less time there is at home. So uh, managing that balance can be interesting as well. And of course then, being back uh, with old friends, people that know me from from that I was a very young boy, is, is quite nice. Lastly, Skulk, um, as you've had now time to reflect on World Cup success last year, October, November, um, and you include the story how you came back into the Springbok fold on the verge of retirement or in retirement, um, what are kind of the things that stand out from that whole experience in Japan just a few months ago? Um, well, except the part that you go and land in Mars uh, and culturally, uh, they're totally different. Uh, they look totally different. Uh, and you, you go there with uh, Jap- Japan isn't known, although they beat us in the 2015 World Cup, known as a rugby country. You get there and every day I sat there for longer, I started loving the place even more. Uh, the people was extremely uh, friendly, extremely respectful, and just the way they embraced the World Cup uh, and rugby was phenomenal. Um, all the f- weird things they did and uh, experiences we had was fantastic. And then to have it with a, a team and a group of, I can't say team, more like a group of friends going over with a mission to be successful, and yet at the end we came back with a trophy so it was for me the memories made um long long may that last hopefully um was unbelievable and they endure you've got his memories so and that is uh, that was one special uh experience for myself and uh, and a lot of my teammates what for you was the most special memory or experience that you take away from that really say about living with Vincent for eight what ten weeks in a room uh, he was like my new wife or I was his wife <laughs> I don't know uh, was just staying with him for that long and then uh, for me uh, actually at least one moment that I can remember during the World Cup is after we won the World Cup and everyone celebrating I was standing at the back of the stage not with the team, and just taking that moment in. Uh, and that was pretty special. It's all the sacrifices, the only 15 days and eight months that I slept at home, uh, the hard work, uh, taking the risk of, of uh, joining rugby again, again uh, was all worthwhile at the end. And that's, um, for me, that, that was quite a special moment. And then... I can't just say the World Cup, but I think even something like arriving at Oliver Tumble after the World Cup was for me just as special. Seeing thousands and thousands of of people packed at Oliver Tumble, all shapes, all religions, all colours, everything there supporting one side, and I, I then saw what kind of impact uh, the Springboks or sport can have. Um, and that's what Warriors does as well. It's through the power of sport you can uh, change the world. And literally there I saw it happen uh, in front of me.
So there you have it. There's more to Skulk Brits than just a big smile. When he feels loved, he's at his best. But we also know he's a converted Arsenal fan. He loved his 10 years in the UK. And he's now trying to make the transition from rugby player to working stiff. Wishing him well.